are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. coincidence um so i'll talk about it humbly but for years this the staff team lost well last year was my first year on the team and i think that i played a pretty big part in us winning um humbly i humbly accept your cheers uh hey i do i want to press real quick i don't i don't want to beat it for too long but press how incredible nyc was the first moment that our band came out i'm about to cry right now we, we were like, <laughs> like all of us pastors could not breathe. We were so just overwhelmed and so proud of our friends. And it's not like, yes, it was really cool to be in an arena, but it was really cool to know that for months our friends have been working so hard and so faithfully uh, to produce and perform at such a high level. Um, and to know, I think this is one thing that kind of my prayer was the whole week, NYC was a moment for me, and I know for Chris and so many other pastors, well, while we were there, we were watching preachers and, and, and the artists and the, the, the musicians, and we thought, you know what, I think maybe God has called me to some type of uh, ministry like that, and I think I could do that. And so all week I just thought, man, as our, our friends, our church band performs and truly uh, gives it out all their heart that I think thousands of students' life, the, the trajectory of their life is going to look different because of them and their faithfulness. And uh, that was, the whole week was just full of emotional moments like that. And uh, can we hear it from them again one more time? Because the effort, they're just great. We're so proud. Um, we've been going through the, this hashtag influencer series, and it is all about this idea that we're all leaders. Uh, every single one of us, if that means you're just leading your dog or you're just leading you, you're a leader, right? Because leadership is influence. Uh, it just means we're kind of going in a direction and, and hey, people are either going to follow or they're not, but at least we're leading ourselves there. We believe that everybody, every single person can develop their leadership skills and we think that the best leader in all of history was Jesus and that if we truly kind of lean in and live like, love like, and lead like Jesus, We'll stand out, and our life will be different, and uh, we can make a difference. And so that's kind of what this whole series is about. If you're new today, um, you might have figured it out already, but we're Jesus' people. We believe that he changes our life, that he is God, and that a life with him is just better. And so we're going to talk about it a lot, and I'm just hoping and praying that you'll get a glimpse of who he is and his love and his grace this morning. So we're going to be in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. So I'll give you a time uh, to find that on your phone or your, your Bible, your scrolls, whatever it is that you use, the screen. Uh, what's happening in this passage is that Jesus just got done feeding 5,000 people. Well, more. He was feeding over 5,000 people. 
And he's just dismissed them, and he also went ahead and dismissed his disciples. He said, hey, go on to the other side. Get in the boat. Go on to the other side of the lake. I'm going to go up on the mountaintop and pray. And so that's where we're at in this passage. That's where we're going to start. We're going to read 11 verses. So really tune in, right? Okay, make sure you're following along, reading, listening, whatever it takes. Uh, Just kick out the ADD for two seconds. Here we go. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Pastor Chris' first message hit on this. I talked about it a little bit. But if Jesus, uh, who is God, takes time to get away by himself to spend time with God, maybe we should do the same thing, right? It's so important that in our daily lives we're taking time, we're, we're creating space to just be aware, more aware of God's presence than maybe we usually are. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, as one does. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, Peter. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for this morning, this moment where we can come together as friends, as a community, and just take some extra time to be aware of you. Uh, There might be people in here who have made the decision to follow you years ago, or maybe people today who are are wondering about what you're really about, and and, and if you have... uh, really the best things for them. And, and so no matter where we're at this morning, I just ask that in one way or another, your spirit leads us to you, shows us a little bit of who you are, and hopefully as we walk out the doors, we can be more like Jesus. We thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I asked, like I, just looking out now and kind of scanning the room before I get up here, if I asked you to, and don't do it, but if I asked you to raise your hand, say, hey, are you just a courageous person by heart? Like, are you just, like, you see a burning building, you're going to run in there, see if anybody needs help. Uh, most, or not most, all of you are cops and firemen, right? Some of you may be a cop, or you may be a fireman, that literally you've chosen a profession to kind of live out a life of courage. And uh, I think maybe a lot of you would kind of raise your hand, like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty courageous. I don't have that, like, if I'm by myself, I don't need to be courageous. Like, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. Like, if I'm in an alley and something's scary, like, I'm going to run. I don't, need, I don't need to fight. I can't fight. I've, I'm an average size, never been in a fight. Like, so I'm not a super courageous person, right? I do think that I have uh, what's called peer pressure courage. Like, if somehow, maybe somehow, unfortunately, I'm the last guy they look to. Like, hey, we need you uh, to protect us. 
Like, then I'll be like, okay, I'll rise to the occasion. Like, I'll save all of you, right? But I don't really want to. It's just out of sheer necessity, okay? I think that that's another thing that maybe a lot of us could be familiar with. Kind of this, like, uh, well, if I have to be brave, I guess I can do it. But it's, it's not something I really like to do. Now, again, if my wife's around, then I'm going to be like, yeah, what's up? Oh, you need something? Right? Like, I'm going to... You guys scared of something? Like, I'm going to be real courageous. So one night... Em and I are home. It's pretty late. It's, I don't remember why. Like I said, maybe we were at the church praying because we're so spiritual, but it's like midnight. And um, we're in bed, and it's dark, and all of a sudden, like, we start to hear kind of like this whistle, you know, like when someone's breathing out of their nose, and it's like... And I'm like thinking to myself, man, that's weird. Emma usually is a pretty quiet sleeper. I don't usually know she's there. Like, that's weird that she's whistling right now. I'll give it a few seconds before I say anything. As that thought passes my mind, Emma goes, hey, stop making noise. Stop breathing like that. And I was like, is it me? Like, I'm like, maybe it is me, right? So I was like, really? I thought it was you. I said this. Like, I thought, she was like, nope, it's you. You do that all the time. I have a tendency. I'm not a mouth breather, but I'm kind of a loud nose breather, right? And so I was like, maybe it is me. Like, that doesn't, not a huge surprise. But since I was thinking it wasn't, it's weird then. So we kind of, uh, 30 seconds to a minute goes by, and it's in sync. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. And I'm even, like, by myself. It's dark, so she can't see. I'm like holding my breath, like, well, is it me? Like, what's the deal? I'm, like, kind of messing with my nose, you know? And, and then, like, it gets kind of weird because I recognize that it's not in sync anymore. Like, I'm breathing out, and it's, like, two seconds later, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, Emma, it is not me. And she's like, well, it's not me. And I was like, there is somebody in our house. I jump out of bed. I'm in my jammies, okay? And there's not a lot of them. So, like, it's dark, and I'm like, where... Where is this person? Okay, so I grab my weapon of choice. I'm not going to tell you what or where I keep it in case you try to rob me, okay? We are in the pitch black. I don't, you don't think right. Like, you're out of mind when this stuff happens. I could easily turn my lamp on, but instead I'm, like, kicking stuff, you know? Like, I don't really, I can't, I'm disoriented. So I get to the edge of the bed, and I'm like, where are you? Come out. Like, I will fight you right now. But it's, it's kind of false courage, you know? Like, it's just because my wife's there and I need to, like, if it was just me, I would have jumped out the window immediately. Like, and so I'm like, okay, I haven't been hit with a baseball bat yet. So maybe someone's not in here. But it's so weird. Seriously, I am standing in the doorway and I'm like, Emma, I think this person is behind me. Like, it is so loud. It feels like it's in my head. I'm starting to go a little bit crazy. At this point, we start turning on the lights. So we're looking. I'm looking under the bed. I'm looking in closets. Sure enough, I, I mean, we can't find anything. Yet what's weird is we continue to hear the noise, and it's getting pretty loud. Like, it's like, what, if they're, like, surely we, they would have killed us by now, so we're probably good. But, like, what is it? Let's figure out what it is. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's reorient. Let's calm down. Okay, it's like 1230. My adrenaline's through the roof. No chance of going to bed now, right? So I was like, we've got to figure out what it is. So... We head into the room, okay? Head into the bedroom and uh, the spare bedroom, and we look out the window, and because that's where like the noise was leading us to. And sure enough, we find out that there is a cat giving birth to kittens. That's it. That was the noise, right outside. 
my adrenaline is now pumping. I'm like, I got to do something with it. Emma, I'm going to go down and deliver these kittens. Like, I'm going to do it, okay? I now have the courage. That's my story. That's it, okay? The point is that from the moment that we started hearing the noise and trying to figure out what it is, to then recognizing that it was a mom cat give, giving birth to kittens. Like it, was, it was a moment of life, not like this criminal. In between there, in the meantime, it felt really real. And it was terrifying. And it called for a moment of courage. But like in that moment, whether it was real or unreal, it was still scary nonetheless. Right? So I think about some things like... Uh, Maybe when you were a kid and you had to take the trash out to the road and you come from the garage, so you take it down. Going down's okay because for some reason the trash can feels like added protection. You get it to the curb, then you're hitting a 4-4-40 back to the garage, right? You're like, I'm not turning around. Like every boogeyman and criminal is honed in on my house tonight. Like I don't know why we begin to play these games. But when it's happening, you're like, no, it's real. Like, I'm not going to disregard that maybe there's really someone out here after me, right? And so um, that's just one thing. Maybe it's like you're going out to get some water in the middle of the night, all the shadows in your house. Like, you're like, I know, I know it's not real, but I'm kind of a little scared, so I need to get to where I can hit the light switch, right? Maybe it's storm season in Oklahoma City. It's, uh, you actually have kind of a real reason to be scared, but every day we're kind of told, like, hey, this may be the day that, we get wiped off the map, right? And then it's like beautiful all day. So you're like, I'm terrified, but it's beautiful outside. Like, what do I do, you know? And so like those moments where we're, the, the, the fear, it, it, it's real. It's, even if the situation and the circumstance isn't that real and not actually putting us in that much danger, it still is terrifying and calls for some type of courage, right? I think even on a more serious level, it's this idea of like, well, I got to pay the bills every month. I've chosen a job where I'm kind of, I'm giving a lot of my time, so I'm not bringing in a lot of money, uh, but I love what I do, and yet at the same time, like, as a family, we got to have clothes, we got to eat, we got to have a house over our head, and we should probably go on a trip every now and then, or we'll go crazy, like, and so it's that in the meantime of, well, I need to pay these bills, I need to make this money, I need to have a life. And so we're caught there. That's very real. Maybe it's just trying to figure out a friendship or, or a relationship with a sibling or a family member. And it's maybe having to face a confrontation that we don't know how scary it's going to be. But just the fact that we have to face it is pretty terrifying. And so we're kind of stuck in this in-between like, ah, I need courage. There's something scary ahead. How do I face it? I think as Christians, there's so many times where maybe even we just feel that need of, God, where are you? In the midst of all the pain, in the midst of the diagnosis, in the midst of all the fights, where have you been? We see the disciples, they're, uh, they're told by Jesus. In, in a moment of obedience, they're told by Jesus to go to the other side. He says, hey, get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet with you later. Which I would have been like, How? Like, they didn't cross their mind. But they say, hey, go to the other side, and uh, I'll, I'll meet you there. So the disciples are here, and they have to get there. The length of space that they'd had to travel was about seven miles. And so scholars believe, because of other verses, uh, that they were actually about three and a half miles across, literally in the middle, literally in the space between there and there. And 
the Sea of Galilee, it's kind of known for, for storms beginning to brew out of nowhere. And so as they're oaring over there, they begin to hit a storm. And the wind, the northern winds are pushing them back. So they've kind of made a little bit of headway. But right now, they're in the meantime. The space between back there and up there. I think that that's really where life happens. It's a phrase that I've kind of grappled onto the last couple of years because uh, I'm someone who has a lot of like, I'm always thinking about the future. Always thinking about like, oh, how can I begin to build here? How can I do this then? And I heard one preacher talk about the, the, the in the meantime is where life happens. And I thought, you know what? I want that to be kind of my life motto. I, I want to be someone who lives in the meantime. So that's where we find the disciples. And sometimes the in the meantime is terrifying. It's having to figure out how to fight for the next thing in life, right? How to beat that sin. How to beat that addiction. The in the meantime is often confusing. And so the disciples are right there in the meantime. They're facing a storm. So, like, they're fighting hard, getting nowhere. And they're like, oh, where is Jesus? He's actually the one that told us to come this way. And he's nowhere to be found. How many times in your life have you felt like God's nowhere to be found? Jesus begins to walk out to them. It's, it's seriously like 3 a.m. in the morning. And as he approaches, they see him. And in, in that moment, they're kind of like, who, who is that? See, Jesus was coming back from the mountainside. And as my wise sage friend, Casey Myers, pointed out to me while I was studying for my message, there's something to be said about the mountainside. There's something to be said about the moments when we see biblical characters come down from it. We know that Moses had a moment on the mountainside. And what happened? He encountered God. And when he came down, he was different. He looked different. He radiated. There was something about him. They were like, whoa, you must have been with God. And so it would have been no different for Jesus going up to the mountainside to spend time with the Father as he approaches. Maybe he looks a little bit different, you know. Or maybe it's just the crazy fact that he's walking on water. But they see him and, and they're terrified. It literally, they would have been screaming. And Jesus' first words are, hey, 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 take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And so out of that, Peter, for some reason, feels this, okay, well, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Which I just, this is a little side note of the message. If you're a believer... But yet, for a lot of your life, maybe these last couple years, maybe this last week, whatever it is, you've kind of been feeling like, what, you know, why am I a believer? Like, why do I believe what I believe? Has it just been tradition in your life? Has it just been, because that's what your parents did? Like, if you've wondered those questions, first of all, like, you're not bad. Second of all, I think Peter shows us we can have the freedom to every day wake up and say, hey, God, um, I haven't really seen you move in my life, and I would like to. So can you reveal yourself to me this week? And then pray that every day. Like, that's it. Like, if you're, like you're going to ask me, like, well, how do I get closer to God? Just pray every day that God reveals himself to you. There's, not, there's no one out there that can, like, prove certain things to you. Sometimes God just has to reveal himself. And, and what's the worst case scenario? Like, let's say you pray that a whole year. Like, if you're already kind of stuck in the meantime, like, well, at least just throw up the prayer, right? So Peter says, hey, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus is like, yeah, come, come on. Peter then gets out of the boat, begins to walk towards him. A lot of times this gets preached, I think, as, uh, hey, that's what we want to be like as Christians. Just climb out of the boat. 
Don't be one of those suckers in the boat. Make sure that you're climbing out, living a big, faithful life. As I'm reading it, I'm like, I think that, like, that is kind of what being a Christian is. If you're like, hey, of this entire universe, we believe there's a creator, and he manifested himself into Jesus, and if we follow him, uh, life's going to be different. I think you've gotten out of the boat. Like, I think that that's, like, that's, that's the big one. Like, that's the big step. So if you're in here and you consider yourself a believer of Jesus, you've gotten out of the boat. Now we have to turn our attention to what happens next. As Peter begins to walk towards Jesus, some, a weird line. That, like, if, if, you don't, if you're reading it quick, you can kind of pass over. Because I'm expecting this to see. Um, when, Jesus, or when Peter saw the waves, that's what I expect to see. But it actually says, when Peter saw the wind, that's weird. And again, it's always like, well, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and it's also like, what, what else is happening? Is, is the wind, Peter saw the wind, does that just mean that he saw an outcome of the wind? Like he actually started to see the waves? Or is he seeing something new? Maybe. I think that when we decide to step out of the boat and to be like Christians, we begin to see things that maybe we didn't see before. We might be a little bit more aware of a broken person right in front of us, that we've known all along. And now we might be thinking, man, why can't I stop thinking about that person? It might just be uh, that you catch your tone a little bit more. Like, ooh, man, I've kind of had an ad to lately. I didn't used to check it before. Now all of a sudden I'm checking it. I think there's also different phases to it. I think uh, when a lot of times, uh, when, well, when I was excited to get married, I had a very small um, information bank on what that really meant, Right? So I knew I was excited to get married, but I didn't know what came with it. So from here to a happy marriage, I'm going to spend a lot of time right here. Probably what, most of the marriage? It's great though, right? Let's bring it back in. Love you. I love you so much. So I think that Peter is beginning to maybe, like, is it this... Do we see things that maybe we usually don't see? Is that what it means to be connected with God? Is our life going to just be a little bit different? But Peter then begins to sink. It is huge. Peter begins to sink. As a result, he's like, hey, Jesus, save me. The sinking here, I think that as Christians, a lot of us, we get out of the boat. That's what it means to be Christian. Then I think a lot of us sink right here. And we spend most of our Christian faith in the sinking. And this isn't like, like a condemnation, like, quit sinking. This is, no, no, I think we all go through it. And I think it just kind of paralyzes us. And we had enough faith to get out of the boat. But then it's like, well, now, I, like, yeah, that's a part of my life. And I'm excited to go to heaven. But, uh, and I'm excited to stay away from hell. But I want to figure out uh, all these other things, too. I, need, I have bills to pay. I've got to get my kids through school and then to college and then... We want to buy that house, and then we want to sell it and buy that other house that's bigger, and then we want to sell that one and buy a smaller house later. So that's kind of where we get caught. And here's the beauty. Like, sinking doesn't mean that you're sinning. I think it just means sometimes we lose focus a little bit. For me, in my life, I just want to take a little bit of time to be kind of vulnerable, whatever. Like, the last six weeks have been amazing. I truly, it was like all of a sudden, so many things I've been praying for, I've been working for, believing for, uh, started to happen. 
And yet then what's really weird is one of the outcomes. So like as soon as I started moving, right, I'm, st- I'm headed towards the other side. All of a sudden I could feel myself sinking. What was it? Porn addiction, adultery, gambling. No, actually, I, I started just kind of getting mean. Last couple of weeks, I noticed I'd get in my car and I'd be like, why is everybody else out on the road right now? Like, I have a place to be. Where are you going? Right? Like, just losing my mind. I'm in, in line for coffee for like two minutes. And I'm like, how hard is it to put it in the cup? Right? Like, everyone's like, oh, who is that guy? I think he's a pastor. No, no, I'm not. I run out, you know. At NYC, I skipped a line of people that were taking a selfie. I was like, this is ridiculous, Emma. Come on. I turned around. She didn't follow me. I was like, oh, no. I walked back. They're all staring at me. And she was like, they hate you. And I was like, yeah, I'm so glad they don't know who I am. (laughs) So for me, it was this, where have I been sinking? Well, I've just kind of been irritable. And I talked to him about it. And I talked to some other friends about it. And I was like, you know, I think that's the beauty. That's it. It's just recognizing, being someone that says, hey, I've gotten out of the boat. I want to get to the other side. That's where Jesus has called me to be. But when I'm in the middle of it, when I'm in the meantime, especially when I'm sinking, God, just give me the awareness. Just, just elevate my thought on, on where I'm at. I, somebody after first service said, hey, have you ever heard of stinking thinking? Maybe it's called sinking thinking. I was like, well, oh, it's good. They're going to laugh so hard at that. You didn't. So Peter is sinking, and again, like, I believe he believes in Jesus. Enough. What's the next thing he says? He's like, Lord, save me. That's where I want to be. I want to be, Lord, I've had a bad attitude. And maybe it is. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it is a sin. I just think, like, I want to help people recognize that just because it's, it's not a sin doesn't mean it's also what God has called you to live out. So Jesus sees him and responds and says, yeah, yeah, I'll save you. And the script, though, this one line, it says Jesus gave him a hand. Scholars talk about actually what's really happening is Jesus would have bent down, almost bear-hugged him out of the water. So it would have been a very, like, they're both really wet from the water and the waves, and all the guys in the boat are like, right? Like, it would have been a pretty incredible scene. Jesus pulls him up. Before they even get in the boat, he goes, hey, yeah. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And again, it's that moment of like, oh, well, when we're in the meantime, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus or we're going to start sinking. No, it's really, I think what Jesus is talking about here is, he's saying, hey, when I showed up, you guys were really scared. And what did I say? I said, take courage. Take courage. Be courageous. And I followed it with, it is I. The, the absolute translation here is Jesus would have said, take courage, I am. This would have been like a, a resounding sound in their ear. They would, have, they would have been, hey, we've heard that before. Where did we hear that before? Maybe it was in the Old Testament when Moses said, hey, God, you've told me to go tell the Egyptians and the Israelites that I've come to deliver them and that somebody sent me. Who do I say sent me? And God goes, Say, I am who I am. Jesus in that moment is coming out saying, hey, take courage. Here's why you can take courage. I am the God of all things. I created all things. Nothing happens under me that I don't allow. I'm in charge. 
I got on this weird YouTube bunny trail this week. Never happens to me since 07. And one of the things popped up, and it was like, think about how small we are. And I wa- I'm like, okay, and I click on it. And it's about space. And it's like, we have a sun, and we're 93. Our Earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. That's one galactic unit. You need to know that. We have 300 billion suns, stars, in our galaxy. Like, I like, honestly can't really fathom that number. Like, I know it's like a very real number, but it's still so, like, 300 billion. Wow, like, cool. But it's insane. And they were like, yeah, that seems pretty cool. But when you back up and you recognize that our one galaxy with 300 billion stars is just one of 100 billion galaxies that we're able to see right now meaning a number that I truly can't even pronounce for how many stars there actually are. And I'm watching it. I'm like weeping by myself on YouTube, right? Because I'm like, oh my gosh, like from a Christian perspective, I believe that God created all that. And what's crazy is God created all of that. And yet we're so small. How small on the scale are we? And in the meantime, chooses to come meet us where we're at. In our dark of night, when we feel alone, when we feel like we can't move forward, when it seems like life is ending, God is like, hey, I'm right here. Take courage. I am here. Jesus is like, why didn't you, why didn't you trust me, Peter? And he's like, and if that wasn't enough, did you see what I was doing? Like, it's not like Jesus just did miracles for the sake of, like, I'm God, right? Like, there was meaning behind them. Maybe this was the meaning. First of all, John 1, 1 through 5, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. One translation says, The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Are you kidding me? A God who can make 100 billion galaxies and stars decide to put on skin and bone and walk with me even when most of the time I'm sinking? That'll wake me up. That'll get me excited. That'll get me outside of my irritation. That'll get me thinking about, hey, who's hurting? Who's broken? How, how can I help? But then maybe it was Genesis 1 through 2 that the guys maybe would have thought of where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Maybe it was Job 9, 8. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Or Psalm 77, 19. Your path led through the sea and your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. Jesus is saying, look, what I'm telling you and what I'm doing is I'm God. You've been praying for me to show up. Here I am in the midst of what seems to be mundane. Can we start looking for God in the mundane of our lives? Can we raise our awareness? Maybe he's here. So when he says, Peter, why did you doubt? He's not mad that Peter was sinking. Have freedom in that. Jesus knows that life is going to have its storms that really, like we almost never do get to the other side. Because it's one after the other, right? It just seems like, oh, here we go. Here, here it is again. And Jesus is like, I know, I know. But I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Peter, I wasn't mad that you were sinking, man. I just wish you trusted me a little bit more in the beginning. Man, you can start coming back up. 
the beauty of the story, of course, is Peter gets out, he begins to sink, and he says, Lord, save me. Could it be that that's the most courageous part of the story? Why? What happens? When Peter makes the decision, hey, I'm sinking, I can't do this thing alone, I need you, Jesus. He says, hey, save me. Jesus says, you have little faith. What, what does that tell me? That encourages me. That means that I can have a small, finite, tiny, weak, mustard seed faith. And Jesus is still like, I got you. I'm right here with you. Just trust me. It only takes a little bit of faith for Jesus to act. But man, he's already moving. I just want to be somebody who is looking for him. And I can take courage even though I have a tendency to live a fearful life because the God of the universe put on skin and bone and said, I'm walking with you. I'm right here. Just, I just feel my grace. Just feel my love. One step at a time. Yeah, but God, I'm going to sink. I know. And I still love you. And we're going to keep moving forward. I dare to say, who, who's, to, who's to know? But from the day when I preach this message till the day I die, how many sinking moments am I going to have? I feel so much better knowing that, God, it's not up to me. It's not about how hard I try. It's not about how good I look. How much of the Bible I actually know. It's just me just trusting that you're enough. It's just you, Jesus. You're the only one that can get me to the other side. And in the meantime, oh, I want you in my boat. I can't live without you. I'm a grouch with you. Imagine what I'd be like if you weren't in my boat. I want to be more patient, more kind, more gentle. I don't want to sink for reasons that are meaningless want to stay focused. Can you imagine each of us individually waking up? What if just this week, every morning, we woke up like, Jesus, I just, I want to have such a faith that I see you. I'm in the meantime. I'm in the midst of it. I'm in the broken. I'm in the hurting. Man, I wish that those things would happen, but I trust that you're with me. I think that you're going to turn it around for the good. I just believe that's who you are. Can you imagine if we became a community where every single one of us were so committed we're like, hey, no matter what, we're going to go through this together. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to sink. When we sink, we sink together. When we get out into the boat, we're going to get out into the boat together. This is beautiful. This is the last part. I'm about to land the plane. And then they climbed into the boat. Who? Jesus and Peter. The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat, that includes Peter, worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. What's happening? You know, if I'm in that boat, I'm like, Peter, put a, get a towel. You're embarrassing. You tried to do something cool. It wasn't cool. Dry off. Get fixed up. Nope. They're just focused on Jesus. Wow, you are God. What you say, what you do, it matches up to what we've been praying for and what we believe. And you help us even... When we're sinking. That goes against everything that we thought before. We thought we had to be perfect. We thought we had to be dried off. Oh, have your questions. Have your doubt. It's just a little bit for Jesus to save you. But man, he's called us to a life that can be impactful, can be effective. I want to live that type of life. 
You know, like, I'm, I'm sure that when Pete, like, they were like, oh, Peter, he's kind of our leader. He got out of the water. Sweet. As soon as they saw him sinking, they're like, mm-mm, let's stay in the boat. Let's stay in the boat. Right? I want to make sure I do what I can to keep my focus on Jesus, to keep from sinking, even if it's the little things. I want to be aware. I want to live, love, and lead like Jesus. God, I'm so thankful again this morning that we can come, we can open up your word, we can see a glimpse of who you are, that we don't have to live in fear, even when we're sinking, because you're the God who saves us. Your supremacy, you're in charge. We love that about you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.